welcome to another edition of Digging Deeper with Brian Hale. Brought to you by Hale Multimedia, website and mobile app development for over 25 years. That's HaleMultimedia.com. Now listen in and join me online at DiggingDeeper.us. Okay, are you ready to fight? Let's stand up and get into this battle and fight just like this 8-year-old and this 10-year-old. Are you willing to fight for the children? Listen to these kids. This is the beginning of our vaccine war segment. These kids have some spunk. And I don't think barely anybody likes masks in schools. Their children are suffocating. You don't know what it feels like. Like, why would you do that? Why in the world would you do that? And, and God created us so we can be free people. And we're not being free here. All at public schools. Okay? So I would take your masks off if I were you. And, and I'm not wearing a mask right now, and I never will as much as I can. And, and George Washington made America so we could be free citizens of the United States of America. And the Statue of Liberty is for liberty and freedom, and we're not free. So maybe you just don't believe in George Washington or God or like the boss of you or someone is controlling you. Stand up and take these masks off these children. Don't be afraid. Okay, you just heard from an eight-year-old standing in front of a school board, and she is not afraid. And we are not afraid either, nor is this next young man who is only 10 years old. Let's listen into what he has to say, and then we'll get on with our Vaccine War Headlines, Volume 11. I'm 10 years old and I'm a fourth grader at Felix A. Williams. I expected school to be a little bit different in the beginning, but I didn't think it would stay this way all year long. And I was surprised by the rules. A lot of them didn't make any sense to me, like the fact that we were not allowed to play on the playground or have student council, or turn to face each other at lunch, and we also have to wear masks outside at PE and on track. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in car line. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while they're yell while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up i asked my mom if there's a word for this and she said there is hypocrisy wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches my mask also sticks to my face when it's really hot and it makes it hard to breathe i feel like i can't catch my breath and that makes me feel claustrophobic and anxious it's really stressful i finished taking all of my FSAs and I had a hard time focusing with a mask on. A few weeks ago I ran into my teacher outside of school. She didn't even recognize me because she's never seen my face before. But I knew it was her because she sits at her desk a lot without a mask on. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask. And I think she should have that choice. But I should too. 
I have allergies, and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed to mass work like her. It seems unfair. All this seems unfair, and it doesn't make sense. I miss seeing people's face. I miss the way things used to be. I'm scared they'll never go back to normal. Breathing freely doesn't seem like something we should have to ask any other people for permission for. Please make masks optional today. It would be so awesome to end the school year on a really happy note like that. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. You did a good job. Now here's even more from a cardiologist from the emergency room who's worked there for 10 years and has this testimony. Listen to this. I'm a 10-year employee of New Hanover County, and what I realized was that patients were needlessly dying because of government's withheld policies for treating COVID. Everyone who died with COVID should be considered murdered. Early treatment has always been affected. I walked out of the hospital on the mandate day. I have my own practice, and I am the only person in town treating COVID patients prior to hospitalization. I also watched the entire staff at the hospital, including in my unit, get vaccinated and then get COVID, amongst all kinds of other ailments. You have now loaded your body with millions of spike proteins, and you are a ticking time bomb for cancer, blood clots, and whatever kind of ailment may come up in your body. And I'm tired of hearing people go and ask doctors, can they be treated for COVID? And their only option is a vaccine or go home or go into the hospital where you're not gonna make it out. I will be happy to treat any one of you for COVID prior going to the hospital because early treatment has always worked. I'm a member of the FLCCC Alliance, NC Physicians for Freedom and the Medical Freedom Summit. I would ask y'all to please stop choosing fear and putting masks on our kids. The vaccine is not going to work. Early treatment has always worked, and government mismanagement of patients is why people have died. And families have realized this, and they are rising up, and they are going to come after governments and the hospital. I was highly decorated and highly respected at New Hanover. I was the November 2020 Employee of Excellence, and I had a job opportunity this year from the chief medical director at this hospital and I chose to walk out and stand up for what is right. So putting these masks on our kids is not gonna help, nor is vaccination, and we all need to realize that. It is out, the cat is out of the bag and people are speaking globally, including the inventor of the vaccine. And now here's some more wisdom from a guy named Kramer. You may recognize the voice. Uh, uh, Okay, you're checked in. Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no, thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no. But you have to wear an AIDS ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to. But everyone wears the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. You know what you are? You're a ribbon bully. Hey! Hey, you! Come back here! Come back here and put this on! Hey, where's your ribbon? Oh, I don't wear them. You don't wear the ribbon? Aren't you against AIDS? Yeah, I'm against AIDS. I mean, I'm walking on it. I just don't wear the ribbon. Who do you think you are? Put the ribbon on. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? <laughs> so, what's it going to be? Are you going to wear the ribbon? No. Oh, never. But I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. We are all wearing the ribbon. So why aren't you going to wear the ribbon? This is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear. What are we going to do with him? I huh? guess we're just going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon. <laughs> yeah.
many of you may recognize that sitcom theme song as Seinfeld. Now, let's get started with our vaccine headlines, volume 11. All right, for that vaccine war headlines report, volume 11, last week we started off with statistics from the VAERS report that ended December 24th. So this is just statistics for one more week, and they are the year-ending stats for VAERS. Right, through December 31st. And last week we reported just one week prior that there were just over 1 million cases and now it's at 1,016,999 reports for the year. So almost 17,000 people were affected just in the last seven days of December. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. Happy Mm. New Year. In total, 21,382 deaths. Last week it was just at 20,000, so we're talking over 1,000 people died from this in the past week. 113,000 hospitalizations, 110,000 urgent care visits, 158,000 doctor visits, 8,000 anaphylaxis cases. Bell's palsy affected 12,700 plus. 3,500 miscarriages. 10,800 heart attacks, Mm. 23,000 myocarditis and pericarditis cases as well. Then we had 36,700 people disabled permanently, over 5,000 with thrombocytopenia or low platelet count, and then 24,000 with life-threatening events not otherwise listed. And then there are just a simple 37,000 severe allergic reactions, which would be enough to shut down any medication, right. if, if you could call it this, <laughs> and 11,600 cases of shingles. It's despicable. It is. It is. So we've got lots of different uh, headlines here. Um, some of them will cover mo- in more depth than others because we've got an, an additional report to go on top of this. Right. Um, but the first headline says, after firing unvaxxed healthcare workers, California tells COVID positive medical workers to stay on the job. Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Thousands of healthcare workers who were thousands of healthcare workers who worked during the height of the pandemic in 2020 and most of 2021 were fired or were suspended for refusing to get jabbed. Several hospitals in California are now overwhelmed due to staffing shortages. So the experts are now saying COVID-positive medical workers should stay on the job if they're asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. I've heard that everywhere. To be clear, unvaxxed medical workers with natural immunity cannot work. But vaxxed COVID-positive healthcare employees can show up to work because science. Hmm. And there's more sudden unexpected deaths of mm-hmm. healthy people all over the place. Tragic 38-year-old athlete dies after suffering a heart attack during a swim portion of Ironman. These people are in the best shape of their life of anybody in the world. And in the opening of the 2022 Ironman season in Chile resulted in a tragic death of a 38-year-old athlete. According to reports, the athlete suffered a heart attack while in the water. The identity of the male athlete is yet released to the public. There's also a 28-year-old Tampa Bay Rays bullpen catcher, Jean Ramirez, died unexpectedly. Ooh. 
Tampa Bay announced on Tuesday after the sudden death and unexpected loss of 28-year-old bullpen catcher John Ramirez. At this time, no other information is available regarding the cause of death. However, on May 21st or May 2021, the team had reached at least 85% of their tier 1 players, coaches, and close contact staff who were fully vaccinated according to MLB. So mm-hmm. it's very likely but it's not confirmed that it was COVID related. And the reports get younger and younger. Here's a double vaccinated 18 year old Brazilian model who dies after developing blood clots due to COVID complications. Mm -hmm. Valentina Boscardine was diagnosed with COVID-19 and was hospitalized at Sao Paulo. On Thursday, her condition worsened and she developed thrombosis, a formation of a blood clot according to reports. Other media, as well as friends, added pneumonia as another factor of her death. It was confirmed that the young model was vaccinated with two doses of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, according to an Instagram post from journalist Felipe Campos, who is close to the family. And then there's a double vaccinated 23-year-old powerlifter champion with no underlying health conditions who died from COVID in Australia. A double vaccinated 23-year-old scientist, powerlifter champion, and healthy athlete died in a Sydney hospital after testing positive for COVID, according to a report. The man identified as James Condilios is a resident of Canberra who had had no known underlying health problems before passing away on January 4th at St. Vincent's Hospital after complications from the virus. This is tragic, and there is a lot happening in Australia. Yes. And especially, I believe, in the Sydney area. And this is a shout-out to our Sydney, Australia listeners. Uh, We've been watching the statistics, and we know you're listening. Uh, The most listened any foreign city. Yeah. Yes, most listeners in any foreign city. Nice. Good day, mates. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and we love our people down under, and we are praying for you. So thank you, Sydney, Australia, for tuning in. Uh, several places in Australia, but Sydney just seems to really pick up this report. Uh, but more tragic news from Australia, and we're sorry to report that. Fraudulent Fauci is still in the headlines. <laughs> Only 31% of Americans trust megalomaniac Dr. Fauci after his many proven lies on COVID origins and effective treatments. You can see that report on our news page under the article Vaccine Headlines, Volume 11. Yeah, there was a poll from News Nation that Real America's Voice shared, and it showed that um, when people were polled for COVID-19 information, which of the following sources do you say you trust? And Dr. Fauci got 30%. Federal health authorities got 49.88%, and President Biden got (laughs) 15.53%. So nobody really trusts anybody anymore. That's because they're a bunch of liars. Oh, and here's your, is this your Project Veritas report? Yes, this is just one of many pieces to it. Oh, okay. Well, this is the Veritas documents that reveal that D.C. bureaucrats had evidence that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were effective in treating COVID. Of course, we knew that, but they hid this from the public. This is a study 
HCQ for COVID-19. 298 trials, 4,772 scientists, 413,756 patients, 64% improvement in 33 early treatment trials, 75% improvement in 13 early treatment mortality results, 46% improvement in 8 early treatment receipt results, 19% improvement in 201 late treatment trials, and a 21% improvement in 46 randomized controlled trials. I think they tested the heck out of this stuff mm -hmm. and found improvement in a majority of cases. But right. despite the science, Dr. Fauci and the medical elites have blocked the use of these effective treatments for coronavirus patients. And it wasn't just Fauci, but all of the top U.S. medical leaders who were in on the hydroxychloroquine lie. Dr. Merrill Noss, MD, broke this story in The Defender. According to Dr. Noss, the top health officials were all in on the conspiracy against hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're going to have a deeper report on what Project Veritas revealed. But there's um, several headlines as well that talk about it. Senator Rand Paul rips serial liar Tony Fauci, and he hates every minute of it. Was this the one with the shaking hands and... He just got oh oh no that was that was, was the it? next one oh. yeah yeah this one was Rand Paul he pointed out uh, Dr. Fauci's scheming with Peter Kazak to refute claims of the origins of the deadly COVID virus that involved Nature magazine oh Fauci dodged and obfuscated from the questioning he accused Senator Paul of lying when there was direct evidence of Dr. Paul's claims. Fauci then accused Rand Paul of attacking him because he wanted to raise money. So there's a link to the video if you want to watch that whole, but it's quite humorous seeing, yeah. seeing him squirm. So this was the Fauci meltdown. meltdown. Yes. The GOP senator and medical doctor confronts Dr. Fauci over Project Veritas Exposé. Mm -hmm. That actually wasn't Dr. Paul this time. That was a different senator, right? Right. It was Dr. Marshall. Okay. I mean, Senator, Dr. Marshall. <laughs> All right. They're both doctors, so they're qualified to ask these questions. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Dr. Uh, Senator Marshall asked Fauci on Tuesday, Will you commit to the release of all records fully unredacted by the end of this week, so Congress and the American people may know the truth of NIH's role in the origins of COVID-19? Fauci's hands were shaking uncontrollably as he lashed out at Senator Marshall. <laughs> yeah, you could just see his hand shaking. Yeah, you got to watch that video, <laughs> you gotta too. you got to watch that one. you got to go to our page, diggingdeeper.us, click on the news tab, and go to the Vaccine War Headlines, Volume 11. Yeah. So then, Fauci was caught on the hot mic calling Senator Marshall a moron. And then he shared a picture from Rand Paul calling for his firing. <laughs> After being absolutely torched by Roger Marshall the Republican from Kansas, who is a U.S. veteran and a medical doctor over the Project Veritas documents, Fauci was caught on a hot mic throwing a petulant tantrum over the heated line of questioning. He could be heard calling in the video, calling him a moron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fauci was a puppet. I know. And the fight against the jab goes on. Doomed to fail, top immunologists blast global COVID response driven by false propaganda. 
Mm-hmm. Time to insert propaganda right here. <laughs> yeah. All I hear is it's propaganda. propaganda. <laughs> Professor Ehud Quimron, head of the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at Tel Aviv University and one of the leading Israeli immunologists, has written an open letter sharply criticizing the Israeli and indeed global management of the coronavirus pandemic. His letter begins. In the end, the truth will always be revealed, and the truth about the coronavirus policy is beginning to be revealed. When the destructive concepts collapse one by one, there is nothing left but to tell the experts who led the management of the pandemic. We told you so. Two years late, you finally realize that a respiratory virus cannot be defeated and that any such attempt is doomed to fail. You do not admit it, because you have admitted almost no mistake in the last two years. But in retrospect, it is clear that you have failed miserably in almost all of your actions, and even the media is already having a hard time covering your shame. And he goes on on the link. But that's from Professor Quimron. And furthermore, I learned in the pandemic book from 1918, this very same concept that you just quoted there from Dr. Quimron, and that was that a respiratory virus cannot be defeated. Mm-hmm. They're always going to mutate in order to survive, and they will not kill the host. And I think you had some more really interesting information about viruses, didn't you? Find yes, something? yes. There's been two laboratories in Germany that have uh, published a report stating that there is no COVID virus. It does not exist. And I know, I know, people are going to say, oh, it's real. It's real. People are dying. Well, yes, people are dying, but they're not dying of a fake virus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you heard from the nurse earlier, and as you've heard from our reports, which is our most popular report for four months in a row, was remdesivir Mm -hmm. is the protocol that was killing people in the hospital. So don't tell me they died from COVID. They died of COVID from remdesivir. Right. Being served to them and their organs shutting down, starting with the Kennedy. Kennedy. COVID is just a fancy name that they tagged on a SARS virus that is in everybody's body. Everyone has it. The virus is in us. Right. That's why everybody could test positive. If they so, so this um, Germany, um, these Germany labs give us a really good little short description of what they mean by there is no COVID. So germs, bacteria, fungus, and even viruses, which are not viruses, but actually protein-based exosomes within our RNA, are everywhere. So-called diseases are symptoms of an underlying toxicity within the cells. So-called viruses are manufactured within our bodies as a protection mechanism against over-toxicity. When we are overly toxic, our bodies create a natural detoxification process called a cold, a flu, or pneumonia to rid the body of these deadly toxins. Mm. Viruses are not contagious in any form. There's plenty of information explaining how we do not and cannot catch viruses. It's your responsibility as adults to look into this very important information or laugh and continue living in the echo chamber. Companies are more scared of the government than germ theory. Biochemistry debunks corona. It's the terrain 
not a germ theory. Biochemistry debunks coronavirus? Is that what their last word was? Biochemistry debunks corona. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We knew that, and we've been saying these things. We don't mean to sound so smarty, but we've been saying this for over a year, and now the scientists are finally speaking out, and this stuff is being passed around to enough people to where we can now share it with you. You can look this stuff up yourself. Please do your own research. We've always said that. We're just a vessel to disseminate some of this information that we get. So, and I'll put, and that link is in that article too. Okay, fantastic. Well, did you hear about the, oh, I want to do two of these articles here, but uh, go ahead and talk about the first one. Okay. Who? Yeah, the WHO. The WHO joins the EU and changes direction. Hmm, there's lots of, I, you know, changing of direction lately, isn't there? Always. Suddenly warns against taking continued COVID booster shots. Mm-hmm. Real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they hmm. said. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, on Tuesday, European regulars warned that the COVID booster shots could adversely affect the immune system. That doesn't sound familiar either. Then later on Tuesday, the World Health Organization joined the EU and also condemned the continued booster regime. In a statement released by the WHO on Tuesday, it said, quote, A vaccination strategy based on repeated booster doses of the original vaccine composition is unlikely to be appropriate or sustainable, unquote. Isn't that what we said before? I think we've said that before. I mean, like a million times. I mean, not a million, but maybe a thousand? Well... Uh, we have 330 broadcasts. Yeah, and, and we say it several times per broadcast, so... Yeah, and this is big, too, as if, you know, you say, okay, hold on, well, who cares about the WHO? That's Remember, that's where the president, the former president said, you know, we're not going to give money to the WHO, and then, boom, the virus somehow was released. Mm-hmm. But anyway, coincidental, right? But the point is, who cares about the WHO, right? Well, let's see what we're doing more close to home. How about the Supreme Court? Mm-hmm. Anybody hear about that ruling? Woo! I have that ruling saved on my computer. I have the PDF. I have the documents from the Supreme Court because I think I'm just going to save them just to have them there because it was a dominant reprimanding of the Biden mandates, the nationally mandated things. There's a couple of things. First of all, on the OSHA issue, it was really cool because it was Biden v. Missouri and Missouri won. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Breaking. Supreme Court blocks Biden's OSHA vax mandate for private businesses. Yes. The U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday blocked Joe Biden's OSHA vaccine mandate for businesses with 100-plus employees. Although Congress has indisputably given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers, it has not given that agency the power to regulate public health more broadly, the court wrote in an unsigned opinion. Requiring the vaccine of 84 million Americans selected simply because they work for employers with more than 100 employees certainly falls in the latter category, the court wrote. Mm-hmm. It just isn't legal. It just isn't. And the other court case was even better. Okay, I've got that pulled up right over here. The opinions of the court, 2021. Let's take a look at Biden v. Missouri. Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, and Justice Barrett join in dissenting 
against the against the U.S. government's request for a stay. Justice Thomas writes, These cases are not about the efficacy or importance of COVID-19 vaccines. They are only about whether CMS has the statutory authority to force healthcare workers by coercing their employers to undergo a medical procedure they do not want and cannot undo. Because the government has not made a strong showing that Congress gave CMS that broad authority, I would deny the stays pending appeal. I respectfully dissent. Mm -hmm. And Justice Alito writes, But even if the federal government has the authority to require the vaccination of healthcare workers, it did not have the authority to impose that requirement in the way it did. Under our Constitution, the authority to make laws that impose obligations on the American people is conferred to Congress, whose members are elected by the people. Elected representatives solicit the views of their constituents, listen to their complaints and requests, and make a great effort to accommodate their concerns. Today, however, most federal law is not made by Congress. It comes in the form of rules issued by unelected administrators. In order to give individuals and entities who may be seriously impacted by agency rules at least some opportunity to make their views heard and to have them given serious consideration, Congress has clearly required that agencies comply with basic procedural safeguards. Except in rare cases, an agency must provide public notice of the rules, the public must be given the opportunity to comment on these proposals, and if the agency issues the rule, it must address concerns raised during the notice and comment process. This according to the United States versus Nova Scotia Food Products, 568-240-252 from 1977. See also Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Association of the United States versus State Farm Mutual Automobile Insurance from 1983. The rule may then be challenged in court, and the court may declare the rule unlawful if these procedures have not been followed. In these cases, the relevant agency did none of these things and the court rewards this extraordinary departure from ordinary principles of administrative procedure. Although today's ruling means only that the federal government is likely to be able to show that this departure is lawful, not that it actually is so. This ruling has an importance that extends beyond the confines of these cases. It may have a lasting effect on the executive branch behavior. In conclusion, CMS had good cause to avoid notice and comment rulemaking. The court shifts the presumption against compliance with procedural strictures from the unelected agency to the people they regulate. Neither CMS nor the court articulates a limiting principle for why, after an unexplained and unjustified delay, an agency can regulate first and listen later, and then put more than 10 million healthcare workers to their choice of their jobs or an irreversible medical treatment. Therefore, I respectfully dissent. I guess a lot of fancy words that says they just don't agree with this decision that the government has this power to make these mandates a lasting law without congressional approval. Right, and this one was specifically about the health care workers, right? And the one prior to that was employees in places over 100. Or right. Employers with more than 100 employees. Right. So, yes, this was about health care workers being mandated, and there are 10 million of them approximately in the United States. Now, what about all those healthcare workers that were already fired? Right. I think early on when people were saying, don't walk away, make them fire you, mm -hmm. this was the reason. So in addition to the WHO, mm -hmm. the CDC's Rachel Walensky, the director, also said this same thing. Yes. So 
they're in agreement. Yes. That the boosters don't work. You can't catch a virus fast enough. You cannot, the scientists cannot outpace the virus. Right. This one, yes. The Associated Press will no longer emphasize COVID case count to help Joe Biden and the Democrats going into midterm elections. <laughs> well, who's writing this? This is from, what, Gateway Pundit? I think so. And the, this is, well, the AP, this is a quote from the AP, okay? Oh, okay. The number of case counts soared over the holidays and expected development given the emergence of a variant more transmissible than its predecessors, the AP said about the Omicron variant. The AP argued the case counts were incorrect because many people self-test or are infected without even knowing it. So for that reason, they will no longer emphasize the case count. For that reason, the Associated Press has recently told its editors and reporters to avoid emphasizing case counts in stories about the disease. That means, for example, no more stories focused solely on a particular county or state, setting a one-day record for number of cases, because that claim has become unreliable, they said. The AP is also now admitting there is a difference between being hospitalized because of COVID and being hospitalized with COVID. That's what Rachel Walensky said. Yes. Quote, hospitalization and death rates are considered by some to be a more reliable picture of COVID-19's current impact on society. Yet even the usefulness of those numbers has been called into question in recent days. In many cases, hospitalizations are incidental. There are people being admitted for other reasons and are surprised to find they test positive for COVID, said Tanya Lewis, senior editor for health medicine at Scientific American. The AP said. So in UK, they're just coming out and saying this is a pandemic of the vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Like we had that report on earlier. Latest UK health data shows vaccinated deaths are higher than unvaccinated deaths in the last three months. This is we're going to end on a no-brainer here. Right. For the people that are awake. The latest official health data from the British government shows that the fully vaccinated individuals are not experiencing the robust protection against hospitalization or death that they were promised, but rather have alarmingly been contracting the virus, getting hospitalized, and even dying at a much higher number than the unvaccinated have been over the past few months. As of December 5th, the vaccinated have accounted for a whopping four out of every five COVID-19 deaths in England since August 16th, 2021, according to the UK Health Security Agency's COVID data. Over those four months, there were 3,070 COVID-19 deaths among the unvaccinated population in England, compared to 12,058 deaths among the vaccinated population during the same time frame. And just to point out, those are UK figures, which is a very small population compared to the United States. And the VAERS data, of course, is just United States data. Yeah, good distinction there. And But there is stuff going on all around the world. Right. These stories, are it's, it's sad. That'll vaccine. do it for vaccine headlines for this week. All right, volume 11. Thanks yep. again for listening. And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. 
We appreciate you listening. And remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.